0: We're on a sermon series called Running on Empty. The reason for this series is because people are worn out, people are drained, people are fatigued, people are exhausted. And you can add any number of synonyms you can think of for the word empty. I just got tired to keep looking. Please take out the sermon notes that have been prepared for you. I would like you to raise your hand if you identify with any of these words. If these words characterize your life or you have felt like any of these, just raise your hand. Busy? Overloaded? Raise your hand if you have felt rushed or empty, stressed, (laughs) fatigued. I don't want anybody to feel like they're all alone. Misery? does love company. This morning I want you to know that busyness is not a Christian versus non-Christian message. Busyness is an equal opportunity demon. No matter where you are in your spiritual journey, we welcome your busy body. This is simply a message for people in the 21st century First of all, noted three lies. Three lies in your notes that keep us busy. I want to start with these three lies that keep us busy because many of us do not even recognize these as lies. So as you glance at these, you may be saying, hey, I say this stuff all the time. This certainly is not a lie. Now, I believe that busy people are so busy... That in the midst of their busyness, they don't back themselves away from busyness long enough to reflect on their lifestyle. In fact, busyness is just a part of the air that we breathe. When was the last time you thought, I wonder if I'll have air today? No, you just kind of go through the life breathing it in. Busyness is such a part of our culture. We don't even think about these things as being lies you can each evaluate yourself on your own though I would encourage you to do it at another time because if people would look over your shoulder you would tend to lie in your answers the first lie number one in your notes there's not enough time to do everything that's a lie there's not enough time to do everything there's another name for this too if there were only a few more hours in my day. The truth is that there is just enough hours in your day that God wants for your day. He designed it. So when I am feeling there is never enough time, somebody is mismanaging of their time. Is it God or is it you? What would you guess? When you come to the point that you're thinking, There's so much to do. This is a lie that fuels your busyness. Number two, the second lie in your notes is this. It's just a busy season I'm in right now. This is one that pastors use so much. It is busy just for a season. And you know how seasons are. They're always coming to the end soon. Warm weather right around the corner. I can see good times coming. When this season is over, we're going to get back to life as it was. That's a lie. Busy people don't have seasons. Busy people have one season. It's called busy. But it's not really the season that is busy. It's the person that is busy. Busy addicts, of which many of us are, just do not like to admit that we're busy addicts. A busy addict is always looking for an opportunity to score (coughs) to score their drug of choice which is more activities. So two lies. There's not enough time to do everything and it's just a busy season that I'm in right now. Lie number three in your notes. This is really important. This is really, really important. This person, this meeting, this opportunity, is really important. Therefore, we are constantly feeding our busyness. And what complicates this even more is that we think of this as really important when other people also in our world think it's pretty important too. And other people transfer their urgency, so then it becomes our urgency and emergency. Their problem, and it becomes my problem, gets on my to-do list, on my calendar. You look at these three lies that many of us do not even think of as lies as you have come to believe, being part of the air that you breathe. You take these lies, you place them into our culture today. So you develop a false view of busyness. Let me refocus our thoughts now for a few moments. The view of busyness by looking at God's word. Look at Luke 10, verse 38 to 42. 42. Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, You are worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better. It will not be taken away from her. So, our culture, it even holds a bigger cultural lie. In your notes, this culture, this cultural lie is called, in your notes, busy is better. Yeah, the cultural license says busy is better. You just listen to conversations that people have. You begin listening for it in television or newspapers or everybody believes busy is better. And you yourself may even contribute to that cultural lie. When you greet somebody, what do you say? How are you doing? Keeping busy? As if busy is somehow the ultimate value for living How are you doing? Keeping busy? Good for you. So am I. But busy is not always better. The Bible teaches us that busy is not better. There are two values for biblical hospitality I want to share. In your notes number one, someone would wash your feet. You walked into a house, you got your feet washed. There were a lot of sand and dirt and you always had messy feet from walking. Washing your feet. Number two, you were offered food. The impression we get from the Bible is that Martha was the original Martha Stewart. She was busying herself, making placemats out of yak hair or something like that. You have guests in your house, then you have to provide the food. So Martha is distracted by all of her busyness. Let's unpack four patterns right now. Four patterns of busyness. That we find in this biblical text. Number one, in your notes, the first pattern of busyness, Martha begins with good intentions. Yeah, Martha begins with good intentions. Look at Luke 10 38. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. Business always begins with good intentions. See, Martha was not evil. She was just being hospitable. She had the right heart. She opened her home to Jesus. For a lot of you, your life began with good intentions. You have good intentions for your kids. You have good intentions for your career. You have good intentions for serving in the church. Good intentions got the ball rolling. But somewhere, somehow, something got lost. And the second thing happens. Distractions move in. You're de- you were derailed by distractions. And that's what happened to Martha. Number two in your notes, Jesus said Martha was distracted. Look at Luke ten forty. Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. Think about this. God in the flesh is in your own living room. He is having chip and dip at your coffee table. What were there to be that was so important, so important that you could not listen to him? When you really are distracted, the distractions can appear to be the priority. And then your priorities shift to being more like distractions. Staying focused on what is really important is very difficult for us to do. Number three in your notes. So Martha then has a pity party. After starting with good intentions, getting distracted by all the preparation work, Martha now has this pity party. Look at Luke 10, verse 40 on the back of your notes. She came to Jesus and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? We are not told exactly what pushed Martha past the boiling point. We don't know what pushed her over the edge. Maybe the disciples were asking for refills as if they were at the Damascus Denny. Maybe the camels needed extra bedding. But it was just too much. She snaps. So this is a sign that you're really running on empty when you have no margin in your life. There's no emotional reserves to pull from when things go wrong. And you say things and you do things that you regret. Lord, don't you care when the pressure is on? Then the pity comes. My spouse does not understand the pressure of raising these kids at home. My parents didn't understand the pressure I feel in school. My friends didn't understand the pressure I have paying all these bills. My parents don't understand this is a league game. No one understands how hard it is. That is a pity party. Number four, after the pressure and the pity, guess what's just around the corner? In your notes, Martha develops resentment. Business always leads to resentment. Martha has another classic line there, looking at Luke 10, verse 40. Tell her to help me. Jesus, tell her to get a little more like in sync with my agenda. If Mary was only like me, Jesus, your feet would have already been washed. You would be eating already. We would have trimmed your beards. We'd be kicking back and watching Dancing with the Samaritans. Resentment is a sign of your busyness. And while Martha is there filled with resentment, Mary is filled with what? Enjoyment. Because Mary is being refreshed. So in your notes, busyness is not better because choosing better is better. So busy is not better. So I want you to walk out of here today knowing that busy is not better. Choosing better is better. I'll share something that's going to hurt some of you. I know this firsthand. Busy people are often broken people. Busy people are broken emotionally, they're broken spiritually. Busy people are broken relationally. And the reason they are busy is that they are trying to fill up what they are already broken with. Some of you are just saying, Pastor, I'm busy, but I'm not broken, I'm healthy. But busy is not better. Choosing better is better. Look at Luke 10, verse 42. Please read the words of Jesus there with me, together out loud. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. See, Mary has it right. In John 10, in your notes, Mary, she's at the feet of Jesus. In John chapter 11, grieving the loss of her brother Mary, again is at the feet of Jesus. In John 12, Mary brings perfume for the feet of Jesus. And Mary is pouring her old spice over Jesus' feet. It's an act of worship. So three times the Marys there have chosen better to be at the feet of Jesus. Now, you may live yourself in Martha's world. You may even be wired like Martha was wired in your personality, but in your heart. In your heart, you want to be like Mary, to have a heart of Mary. Instinctively, you want your good soul to be close to Jesus. So how do you have a Mary heart? Three steps I've noted to develop a Mary heart in your notes. Number one. Confess the lies. See, you must confess the lies for what they are. They're not empowering statements for you. They get you more time somehow. They're sick. They are filthy. They're insidious lies. And they actually act like landmines landmines that will blow up on you. When you begin to think there's just not enough time to do everything, stop. That's a lie. And when you are tempted to say, oh, it's a busy season right now, look in the mirror and go liar, liar, pants on fire. When you try to justify to a friend, hey, this is really, really important, give them permission to smack you on the head, NCIS style, to help you understand there are a few things that are really important, very few. Look at Proverbs 4.23 Be careful how you think because your life is shaped by your thoughts. Start here. Confess your lies. Number two, in your notes, name the distractions. This is very practical. You name distractions. Take a piece of paper and list all of the responsibilities you have. All the things that you do, the events that you go to, the activities that you show up at, the ministries that you serve in. Look at all the things that you have on your list. Examine if any of them have become distractions. See most of the time distractions are something you have said yes to and later you regret it. Now that doesn't mean it's your marriage and not certainly not your children. Things like that. But many things you once felt you had to do but now you know you don't have to do them anymore. They have become distractions so you must ask God to help you to choose yes to choose what is better because busy is not better number three in your notes choose what is better people know you are a follower of Jesus because you choose what is better it's not by wearing a t-shirt with a bible verse stamped on it it's not the WWJD bracelets that you wear it's when you choose God's ways over the world's way you have a different standard. Your standard for choosing is Jesus Christ. It's the Bible. God's word is your standard for making decisions. Just look at Paul's words in Philippians 3. Please read it with me together out loud. I reckon everything is complete loss for the sake of what is so modern. The knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake I have thrown away... I consider it all as mere garbage. In conclusion, Paul says in in Ephesians 5, don't act thoughtlessly, but try to find out and do whatever the Lord wants you to do. You see, busy is not better. Choosing better is better. And three simple steps to choose what God intends for you to do. Number one, you assess your gifts, your spiritual gifts, the talents that you have. Assess the gifts that God has given to you. And God will bless what he wants you to be doing when you choose what is better. And number two, consider your heart. What do you enjoy doing? What do you feel most alive? What has has God placed in your heart? Has he placed the love to serve at certain areas? Choose what is better. And number three, learn from your experiences. Forgotten experiences are really worthless. Paul said to the Galatians, were all your painful experiences wasted? I hope not. Only in hindsight do we sometimes understand how God intended a problem for our good. So develop a merry heart. Confess the lies. Name the distractions. Choose what is better. Amen.